Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Hit that thumbs up for me if you're watching on YouTube to get that algorithm going. I'm joined today by Rush Joy and Kevy Trumpets. Fellas, the most electric moment in baseball history happened because of a 40-year-old Australian man wearing a fedora and a middle-of-the-road reliever. Uh, decided to have a closer song that took the nation by storm. Is this the new recipe for success in the growth of baseball? Well, what do we think? Do we think Mariana Rivera would have been even more dominant if Metallica was shredding out in Monument Park? I'm going to go to Kevin first. I know he's got a couple of thoughts on Timmy Trumpet. Not Trumpets, Trumpet, singular. Yeah, it's great. What a great story. Great for the Mets, you know. <laughs> Great. Love the Mets. Right. Can't get enough of Timmy Trump, Trumpet, Edwin Diaz, who's probably juicing. We're going to hear about the 80 game suspension a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> if Timmy Trumpet came out at a Metallica concert mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a death metal concert of you that you went to in Maryland, <laughs> the do only you immediately is- leave that concert. <laughs> the only thing Timmy Trumpet should be playing, and it's like the mighty, mighty boss tones, right? Let's be honest, man. The trumpet, the trumpet is not cool. The trumpet is not a cool instrument. Who, when have you ever heard anybody say anything good about the trumpet? Louis Armstrong looked cool playing the trumpet. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't think anybody gives a shit about the trumpet, you know? Like, unless I you're think, a ska band, you know? I think it's probably guitar. Yeah. It's probably bass or drums, guitar, drums, bass. Yeah, there's no way you're putting bass. Like, bass, the bass players, the bass players are like the, the brunt of the jokes, man. They never get any, uh, any love for anything. Saxophone is not bad. I mean, Bill Clinton played the saxophone on Arsenio Hall's show back in uh, 1991. But, like, let's be honest, man. This isn't, like, you know, it's Edwin Diaz, man. He's not, like, he's, okay, two-time All-Star. He stumbled into a career year. This isn't, like, Aaron Judge coming out. Like, is Edwin Diaz the newest superstar just because, like, we stumbled into a viral, you know, moment here that people seem to like? I get it, dude. Listen. I wrote what I thought was a pragmatic and fair Very pragmatic. for the site. I said, Very pragmatic. For baseball, people are talking about baseball. Okay. You got a viral thing here. What's the biggest complaint about baseball, right? It's marketing. People mm-hmm. aren't talking about the stars. They're not talking about moments. They're not finding their way on the sports center. They're not making inroads on social media. Mike Trout doesn't give a shit about marketing himself. Okay. So now we got a big baseball moment here. Let's ride it. You know, it's also I- the Mets. It's a 40-year-old dude wearing a fucking fedora <laughs> playing the trumpet, okay? doesn't do anything for the Phillies. The only Phillies no. fans who care about Timmy Trumpet are Phillies fans who care about the game of baseball. I want to see the game be marketed and want to see it be out there, right? But no no Phillies fan in their right mind otherwise would give half a shit about Timmy Trumpet and the Edwin Diaz, like, like walk-in. Okay, it's great. It doesn't do so, anything. Does stuff for good for baseball? Don't do anything for the Phillies. So your gripe, your main gripe is you can't believe there's a 40-year-old man, Australian man at that, who did who did say when Edwin Diaz comes out onto the pitch and not onto the field uh, when he's being <laughs> yeah. interviewed. Yeah. Your your biggest yeah. gripe is a 40-year-old man playing a trumpet in a yeah. fedora. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just can't. I, I can't get behind that. You know, I'm glad that the spectacle is something good, good for baseball. I'm glad we're talking about it. We have a viral moment you know maybe this is like a turning point for baseball to understand that like hey you got to grab these moments and go with it 
But otherwise, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's like New York Mets fans clapping along to a doofus wearing a top hat. It's like, come on. (laughs) Russ, what do you think about all this Timmy Trumpet stuff? I think Kevin just took about seven minutes to say nothing, is what I think. (laughs) And it's fitting. It's fitting because he's here wearing a West Virginia shirt. Wait, hold on one second, though, because you are the king. No, no, no. No, no, no. You're the king of saying seven minutes of nothing. Hold on. You're the host. Hold on. West Virginia is about to do nothing tonight against Pitt. I don't even like Pitt. All right? And Kevin's just getting – Kevin is, like, getting himself mentally prepared for the the downfall of his – I can't even say overrated program. How they continue to exist uh, despite doing nothing, I don't know. But Kevin's Kevin's entire – the whole problem here – I'll is be that right Kevin back. went onto the site. Kevin went onto the site and misrepresented what got him into this mess in the first place. Give okay? some people the background. We did have a Slack. We do have a Slack channel, a Slack chat, yeah, and, I guess. And so, and look, we had a probably I, I a good myself, twenty minute conversation about fighting. I got fired up because here we are. You know, on the on the the sports betting side of things with our team, right? College football kicks off tonight. Right. So we're out here writing about all the different promos or writing all kinds of content about that because people are hyped for the start of college football. And I see Kincaid once again crapping on something that makes people happy. Now, are they Mets fans that are happy? Sure. Do I want Mets fans to be happy? No. But, you know, Kevin, don't let facts get in the way of, uh, you know, of, of an argument. If you look at the crossing broad tweet, and I don't know who's behind the board today. But there's uh, uh, who's like controlling the board. But if you pull up the crossing broad tweet from today about how people react to Timmy Trumpet coming out and playing Edwin Diaz, it's not just like 300 people saying, F the Mets, we hate the Mets, this is dumb. There's a bunch of people saying, I hate the fact that I like this, or I hate the fact that this is actually pretty cool. And let's not act for a second that if this had happened in Philadelphia, that we wouldn't have been all in on it. No, Kincaid would have been consistent. He would have crapped on it anyway. But the rest of us would have absolutely loved it. And so I, I just don't get it. Kevin doesn't like the fedora because Kevin can't pull off a fedora. He looks great in a baseball cap. I bet Kevin can pull off a bowler hat pretty well. But, like, let's not crap hat. on the fedora. Don't let that get in the way. Timmy Trumpet. I learned this today, and I don't know if Dave wants to pull this up, but Timmy Trumpet's actually uh, trained, went to a conservatory uh, in Australia, is a legitimate uh, uh, classically trained and I believe also jazz trained musician. So well, it adds context here. And so you know what? Good for Timmy Trumpet. Well, this is funny because if we just pulled up the who, what's your thoughts on Timmy Trumpet? And the one first one goes, he blows. <laughs> well, he does. You have to blow air into the horn. So it's totally right. uh, there you go. I mean, come on. I hate that. I like it. There you go. So I, I just look at this and I say, you know what? It's good for the game. And I'm Mr. You know, baseball is a dead or dying sport. And I think it's actually fine. But here's the thing. And somebody, it was Investor Jeff, dropped this in, and he's 100% right. We should embrace this as Phillies fans. Why? Because imagine how great it's going to be in the playoffs when Edwin Diaz comes in Mm -hmm. to Timmy Trumpet playing that song, Narco, and guess what happens? He blows the save. Yeah. Then we get a big LOL Mets moment. And that is why we have to get behind this. I love it. I love it for baseball. True. I love it for the Mets. I love it for Edwin Diaz. I love it for everybody. True. I even love it for Kinker. And you know what? Kinker right. doesn't have to love it back, yeah. but it's a great thing for baseball. We love him, and it, and Timmy Trumpets loves right. Kinker. Kinker might not. Right. Any rebuttal? I'll give you a chance to rebuttal before I say what well, I want to I mean, say. like, what are we doing? We're praising the New York Mets. We're, praising- we're not praising the New York Mets, I would say. I would okay. say we're praising them taking 
a viral yeah. song yeah. and a viral moment and making it even more viral, something which, that which we is, would want. The yeah, which to is do. exactly what my take was. I don't have any issue with the whole spectacle of it. And we want more of that in baseball. You know, want people to care about stuff. They need to like hit on these moments, you know, like viral moments, stuff that people latch on to the media rolls with it. You know, you're getting headlines off of this. People are writing stories. People are talking about it. Right. That's what they have to grab. So that's fine. I'm, I got nothing wrong with that at all. And I think they need to recognize that more for sure. But like in a vacuum, it's a 40 year old doofus wearing a hat playing a trumpet song for the for the Mets fans who are standing there. You look at the, those crowd shots, Russ, you see those crowd shots? This is what they're doing. Yeah, oh, look at the so that's play. they're not so like that's clapping thing, on the they're not dancing. That do they even like the song? It's just like a like a yeah, Kevin. Like, Kevin, welcome to uh, most sporting events in the year 2022. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Where now, smartphones are probably yeah, I would disagree. It's a, it goes, and the reason that the people have like, their phones really, out, do they give a shit about the song or not? Like, do they? Do well, they I think they do. I think the reason that you see yeah. the video is because it's the spectacle and because the rumor had gotten out that Timmy Trumpet had been in town, the Mets lost the game that he was supposed to play for. So yeah. they kept him in town. Well, it wasn't a rumor. And he so, was all over the place that day. And so, like, I think that the idea here is that people were more than normal had their phones out because they wanted to capture the moment of him being there and, and get to put it out on social. Whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing, I don't know. But I compared this to it's a it's a pro wrestling entrance. The Edwin Diaz thing is filmed like a pro wrestling entrance. And adding this in is akin to like at a pay-per-view. AEW's yeah. done this in the last, you know, couple of pay-per-views. You get a live band playing. Uh, it was like Ruby uh, Ruby Soho's music, uh, Rancid played it, right? Yeah. And so like that adds to the element. And I can tell you that like in that pay-per-view, while people were loud, a lot of phones were out because people were trying to film Rancid performing. So I think that it kind of compounds the issue. Um, but I don't think it's that like the crowd was dead for it. I think it's more that people were just. Oh, I would just one hundred percent. The the crowd was insanely dead for it. I I you sent a video. You think so? it, yeah, the pop wasn't even good. This would be like if Wisconsin played Jump Around and House of Pain came out to the fifty yard line and everybody wanted to record House of Pain. Like they've been doing Jump Around for like years and they still jump around which is the main part this video was good it would have been an all-timer it's going to be a where were you moment in five years from the Mets but everyone's gonna be like oh I was holding my phone up for two minutes I think you know there was a guy sucking on a trombone that was weird um what a shot they got there I just think if I'm if I'm there I'm not excited to show there's a guy <laughs> sucking on the trombone uh, I'm not excited to show my six-year-old <laughs> my two minute grainy video from 200 feet away of a 40 year old man in a fedora. I he said I'd be jumping around and enjoying the moment. It's a great. But here's what the, here's what like ultimately the takeaway is. They do the elaborate. This sparked your like, you know, beef with what's his face from the Phillies broadcast. Right. Just the, the, like the old school baseball, like curmudgeon, you know, Manfred type of person who thinks that nothing wrong is the game with the game would probably traditionally have poo pooed like this elaborate, you know, camera shot of this closer walking in or even like poo pooed the fact that like the trumpet dude was there to do it live, you know, mm -hmm. like baseball needs to turn the corner and do that stuff, like embrace that stuff. That's like new school stuff. So the fact that like most people seem to be like cool with that and say, all right, this is like decent here, you know, yeah, you gotta, do, you gotta do that stuff, man. Like just embrace the, the, uh, spectacle of all of it. Understand that this is only a positive for you. You know, this, it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't harm anybody. There's no like detrimental thing going on here. If you think the the song is stupid or whatever, that's fine. But like, this is how baseball stays afloat with every other sport, which creates viral moments out of nothing every day, every night during every every week of play. You know, this is the most 
relevant viral baseball thing that I can remember probably since that little kid up in Williamsport that did the dingers thing, right? Remember? Uh, Big Al. Yeah, yeah, big out. And it's the first day of college football, and, and this fingers. is what we're and this is what we're leading the show but with. That's exactly that's yeah. exactly what it is, man. Because they have to find a way, and they have to embrace these things. They're going to let them insert themselves into the talk and into the headlines and get people to talk about Major League Baseball. Do you think like, he played? Here's the bottom line: if you didn't, if you didn't know who the fuck Timmy Trumpet was or Edwin Diaz was at the beginning of the year, you know who they are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do you yeah. think? Do you, uh, Kev or Russ? Do you think he played? Do you think he, he actually played? He played. Big he, he was mic- there was a mic on the trumpet. I there mean, was a there mic was, on the trumpet, a, but it looked there was very a mic and the earpiece. It looked very, but anyone could do that. It kind of, you know, I think we might have had a Ashley Simpson moment. If I'm trying to be a little uh, uh, Negadelphia here, but for another team, it just looked really clunky. Him playing now, I am uh, not classically trained. I've never even touched a trumpet. I don't understand how to play a trumpet, but it looks a little clunky. I don't know if we have that MLB Network video, but the MLB Network had a camera on him. Uh, the whole time. It's not like As he's the playing only... something, something super complicated, right? I mean, it seems like no, he's the, not. Uh, smoke on the water of the trumpet, you know? So, As the only person on this show right now who I believe probably played in a classical or a uh, jazz band. That's not shocking. I, w- I would tell you, saxophone. You said saxophone was cool, so I'll take it. Yeah, um, he uh, he played. Now, the, the bigger question isn't did he play. It's was the audio from his trumpet the one that was playing i think it okay. was and and the reason that i say like he definitely played 100 percent. you're not going to go out there and again this is why i brought up initially that he was actually a trained musician is you're not going to go out and fake it there's no chance now do they dub the original track louder do they let his audio get through the the thing that makes me think that he did play and they had that going through as the main audio is if you watch the sny uh clip you could see that he's running out of breath at the end of the phrase, mm-hmm. at the very end of the riff, and you yeah. can hear the music tailing off in more of like a breath way, not in yeah. a you know fade out. What you're saying, you're saying, Russ, that the so the backing track starts, they mm-hmm. leave the original trumpet part in the backing track, and then he just plays his part over top of it, right? It's they, not like they, they very well, yeah, they very it's well. Not like they did have. a donut where they left where they cut some track where the trumpet wasn't in there. And the I don't, yeah, he I, probably just I played it right over top of it. I think that's what that was. So you're saying he's I a lip he, trumpeter? He, no, because he played. I just don't know what the percentage of you know the original track audio was in there uh, and how loud they had his mic. But like you listen to it, he's he's got a relatively clean tone. I think it was Coggin dropped to us the uh, the clip of him playing unmiked outside the dugout, mm-hmm. and and you can hear what that sounds like. Um, I, I just I have to push back really quickly here. The the trumpet being played in a stadium is one of the best things in sports. And I go back to uh, two renditions of the national anthem that have happened in like the last decade, let's say, that have massive views on YouTube and were huge at the time. One was I think it was the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. It was Arturo Sandoval, and then the other one was the um, the the uh, what was his name? Body Chris Body. At the Giants game, remember he had the Giants players crying on the sideline. You got to go look for that. I think it was like one of the first games at MetLife. But there's something nice and iconic and like heralding of a trumpet playing. You know, it, it's in, like, in a game. Um, it, it reminds you. I think it reminds me of uh, what's the one? Unfortunately, when when servicemen taps. die. Taps. Yeah, taps. Taps. Yeah. It's a very beautiful, there's, there's very beautiful instrument. There's something that kind of pulls you in. 
you know? Yeah. No, whether, whether you're a sax guy and, and you want Kenny G coming out here with this, you know, soprano, you know, you, you have at it. But I think the trumpet, trumpet always sounds great in a stadium. So there's that. <laughs> Rich Anderson hates the Timmy trumpet. Um, actually, we were going to get over. That's actually that's a great segue by Rich Henderson. Yeah. Uh, sorry for boring your balls off for 15 minutes, Rich. Thanks for uh, tuning in, though. Good trumpet talk. Though. Um, yeah. I'm, I, if, if, if if Rich didn't learn anything about the trumpet yeah. or Timmy trumpets, yeah, I would call. Him Let's a liar. get it back to the Eagles. I do. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Jalen Rager six one zero getting traded. Because yeah. I don't care. I don't, no. I don't want to talk about Ian Book or Kellen Mond that was supposed to be on the waiver wire because those guys, if if we're going to them in the uh, the season, then we're in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, but you I don't want to talk, talk about, about the uh, the Flyers deleting the Nick Delorier tweet of uh, 44 days or shutting off the comments to their uh, their tweets. For I, their saw Flyers, that. I saw that. Uh, I saw that. I didn't see now. the Nick Delorier one. No, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the backyard brawl. I want to talk about the out-of-conference games that Kevin was writing about. I want to talk about giving me more out-of-conference rivalries to start the season. Notre Dame, Michigan, that's done. Great rivalry. Notre Dame, USC still goes on. Moved up to the first week. I think that'd be awesome. Florida, Florida State. Give me more out of conference rivalries. The one thing that I liked, and listen, Temple, not a not a tremendously historic football program, but the best part of Temple was they would play Penn State when I went to school there, and it would give you a reason to go up to Happy Valley, or give you a reason for your Penn State friends to come down to Philadelphia and spend the whole weekend there and tailgate. And it was a lot of fun. And you know what? I know we're like I think we're like 40 and four all time against them. And I know Temple's not going to win nine of 10, but that 10th one, when they sacked Christian Hackenberg 10 times, that was a where were you moment. That's a top 10 Philly moment in my life, which is the saddest thing in the world. But we have that one. We'll always continue to have that one. Give me more out of conference games. Kev, what do you think? You want more out of conference games? They start talking about Notre Dame. You named like Notre Dame twice in there. Well, Notre Every, Dame, USA, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame Michigan is... Everything but with Notre are, Dame is out of conference because they're not true. In <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, that's one of the out of conference technical rivalries that, yeah, that yeah. people. It's a classic. Yeah. You know, yeah. Notre Dame, SC. Right. I, yeah, it's funny because, you know, you did, you had the quote unquote week zero of college football last week. I won money on Northwestern. Thank you for that. I went 0 and 3. And, um, you know, so Thursday night, you got Penn State playing Purdue tonight, and you got West Virginia and Pitt in the backyard brawl, first brawl in a while. And it just, like, you know, it's disappointing more than anything because I mean that was a game that was played every single year for like a hundred years and now it's an out of conference game. It's ridiculous, you know. And like I know that we have some Pitt fans that read the website. We got a lot of Penn State people too at the same time. And so I'm like, well, it's an interesting topic. We got college football starting tonight, not start like quote unquote, you know, week one Thursday. The the old classic week one Thursday night is tonight. And I was like, how can I wrap this into something that people might care about? And it's just. I just can't get over the fact, man, that you have these like great classic rivalries and traditional games and whatnot, and they're out of conference games and they aren't played every year. You know, Penn State and Pitt played like 90 sometimes going back to the late 1800s. And then uh, they stopped in 2000. They had that gap from 2000 to 2016 where they didn't play. And then Penn State and Pitt played four times in a row. I think Penn State went three and one in those. Now, Penn State's got West Virginia back on the schedule in 2023, and we added Pitt back on the schedule. But like my, my take was always that those teams should should always try to play each other every year. Uh, you know, they're some, regional. Yeah, some form of it. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh and uh, Happy Valley are like two hours, to, a little more than two hours apart, and Morgantown and Pittsburgh are 70-some minutes, and, uh, you know, three hours between Morgantown and Happy Valley. But it's just like, I know, I know that Penn State fans have, a portion of them have this thing where they're like, we're bigger than Pitt and Syracuse and whatever, and we have to be bigger if we're going to, compete with like the Ohio States and the Michigans and be this big, big 10 school and have national title aspirations. 
but I always just felt like college football is better when you have those, you know, when geography matters and, you know, you got local teams playing mm-hmm. each other and, and keep it regional and fans traveling just makes it more exciting. And so I think when you go to the super conference shit, it just kind of kills all that. The only thing I would I- go uh, one more second. The only thing I would, I know that why it's not going to happen is because some of these programs do like live off of like $500,000 for like Appalachian state to play Michigan or uh, Alabama yeah. to kick the shit out of New Mexico state every year. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, sure. That's the only thing that sucks. And the yeah. thing with this NIL stuff is like, are we going to get bedlam anymore? Is Oklahoma, Oklahoma state going to play when they move over Hell to the yeah. SEC? Yeah. 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 Uh, like yeah, is, the super the super conference stuff and it's going to fuck up a lot of things in basketball like the big east might be like gone in basketball. but here's the thing man like for for temple right and first of all it's disappointing to me because temple went to five straight wow. bowl games where they were making some inroads in football you know there was some steam you know momentum you know growing for the the on-campus stadium and then you know the rod carry era you know they hit COVID yeah. and it all goes downhill from there you know but you know temple's got in-conference games in texas yeah. Tennessee, Florida, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, I know the temple had their rough patch when they were in the big East for a little bit and wasn't competitive, but you know, I just, I just still think that like that cluster of Syracuse and temple and Pitt and Penn state and that throw Boston college and Virginia tech in there, if you want to like, e- like Eastern football does have a, just cause a lot of those teams are in pro markets doesn't mean that they don't have their fan bases, you know? And um, you know, it's just sad to me that there's that, that, that regional stuff doesn't exist. Like to me, like, you know, Temple should not be playing th- Tulane in football. No. You know, they play Oklahoma in 2024. What do I need to go watch Oklahoma Temple? Now, I might go out to Norman, but Rush, you also had a point you want to make. See, this is Kevin, you'll get this. And and Kyle, you probably will, too. You, you Spurs fan, you <laughs> um, like the the consolidation of most of the major programs in the country going to two super conferences almost feels like what um some of the top clubs in England were trying or in, in Europe were trying to do with the Super League, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess is there a question here about whether college football would have been better served if they had put together some kind of an in-season or a separate playoff for the top programs to qualify for, akin to like what a Europa League or a Champions League would look like. You have to maintain the integrity of your conference. Like instead of splitting out to the Big Ten and 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 the Pac, like what if or the SEC like, what if they had just kept those conferences as is, but whoever the top two finishers were, the top three finishers were in each of the major conferences played in a separate tournament? Now, I know that, like, there's probably a conflict because of wear and tear on the bodies of college athletes and about academics and everything. But if the idea here is that these conferences and these teams wanted to make as much money as possible with these super conferences, why couldn't they have just done a separate tier for those teams while still helping to generate money for the other teams that rely on the money and will play against these teams if for yeah. no other reason than it financially benefits them. And who's to say that it's not heading in that direction anyway? You know, if you polled people and you said, you know, if I gave you two options, one, do the conferences and set it up the way that we have now and we'll have like Wake Forest and Pitt and Clemson all playing each other in the ACC or we'll do like a like a one-off kind of super superstar thing where it's like you got Clemson uh, Bama, Georgia, you know, Auburn, uh, Michigan, Ohio State playing each other in like a round robin thing, or we did like a separate, like, you know, like a Champions League of college football. I mean, you'd have most people sign up for that, wouldn't you? I think you it's know? going more Super League, like you like you guys yeah. were saying. I think yeah. we're going to get into a Super League. I just wanted to Which, pull this up again real quick because I hear this a lot from Penn State fans. Um, uh, it's from Rich again. Penn State has nothing to gain playing Pitt, Temple, WVU. Should win, but it hurts if they lose. I mean, I think there's some truth to that for sure. 
because you know it's like if Penn State plays Pitt and they beat Pitt, they're they're expected to beat Pitt. It's like the Temple thing, Kyle. Mm-hmm. It's like when they came and played you guys at Lincoln Financial Field. It's like they don't get much out of that win, but the loss is really bad. So it's like, what's your risk versus reward in scheduling those kinds of games? And so that's why you see like your Penn State's of the world schedule. Like, uh, who are they playing this year? I think they're playing Auburn, right? So you do like a big out of conference SEC like one game thing, like an or like an Oregon, Oregon, Ohio State, or then you beat beat the shit out of like Youngstown State, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at home, and you and you've you've you do it that way and you get your guaranteed win. I mean, unfortunately I think that's more of the strategy, you know, because then you're roped into these conference games. Like how many out of conference games can you schedule anyway? You can only schedule three, like three at most, you know, three or four for most teams. So it was different in college basketball where it's like, could you imagine if Temple didn't play St. Joe's and didn't play Villanova and, and whatever? I don't know, Russ, like did Westchester have, I like, like imagine if you were going to like friggin' Nebraska for a, for a game or something, you know? Pretty cool. So like you yeah, got so, so it's like it's like you know I, I can't imagine those would ever be a thing. But in basketball, at least you have so many more non-conference games that you can schedule where you can get over it. Whereas like football, you know these historic rivalries they're dead for eight or nine years before they can finally get anything back on the calendar because they're scheduled out so far in advance. And that that's part of the shame. That's the part of the shame with going Super League versus you know what, what we would think of as the Champions League is like we love parity in sports, right? And so, like, imagine Alabama goes out and they win the national championship this year. Uh, and, and they qualify for this, like, Champions League tournament next year. But in week two of the season, their quarterback blows out his knee. And they are effectively out of the running for the national championship next year. But they still have this other tournament or this other, you know, playoff that they're taking part in. Now, all of a sudden, it's even more intriguing if you see Alabama go up against, like, a, an LSU or go up against an Ohio State at full strength. Because now all of a sudden, you've put into play the possibility that like Alabama can be an underdog against OSU, right? Like there's yeah. something really neat about that, but you miss out on that when you consolidate, you know, and and create these super conferences because sure, conceptually, you might still get some of those matchups, but the stakes aren't there. You know, like it, it's it's yeah. a different it's a different thing and, and it yeah. feels like too often you're just out of it. You know, like that's the one thing I don't like about college football is you have one bad injury, you pick up a loss or two, you are out of the national championship conversation. And, and yeah, but they're extending the, the playoff to twelve games in the next couple of years, so that'll that'll fix that. I mean, the top twelve the, teams. Yeah, yeah and right. I guess like, the but like for right now, it doesn't. Yeah. For now, it doesn't help. Versus like college basketball, you know, you've got your. I don't know though smaller, because if, if you're attorneys, the way these teams recruit the good good teams now. I mean, look at Ohio State. Someone transfers every single year because they they get an even better quarterback or an even better running back. Like the, the transfer portal is is insane. Um, I just want to make a quick like yeah. devil's advocate point to that because it's like the other half of it is. Uh, oh God, I just lost the the thought. Jesus Christ! Um, right, I want to go back at Rich. I don't understand this this holier than thou Penn State thing. By the way, no, I mean, he said gonna... he's not a. He clarified actually in the chat. He said he's not a Penn State fan. Oh, he's not a Penn State fan. He's okay, then the, then I'm gonna yeah. just gonna talk to the Penn yeah. State fans. Like yeah. I know you understand that they they don't get anything maybe from these games, but like. This, this Penn State holier than now when they've won a Rose Bowl once in the last like five years. I mean, they've won more pinstripe and tax slayer bowls and they have won like big five bowls. Uh, I know, you know, Penn State thinks they're God's gift to earth, but they're probably going to go on their third uh, down season in a row this year. Yeah. So I don't yeah, think I there have- is there is as big, you know, they're, they're not too good enough to not play against Pitt and WVU Temple. Yes, I'll admit to that. But but do yeah. people forget the West Virginia years of Pat White, Steve Slayton, Pat McAfee, <laughs> Owen Schmidt? Like those they were amazing. 
those years. So EJM says it feels like expanding the playoff to 16 teams and playing all of December would accomplish the same thing as doing a Super League Champions League. And I think that's probably inevitably where they're headed. And I think like I think my perspective on this, like I'm I'm thankful I have this perspective because I went and lived in the South for a couple of years where in a city where there wasn't a pro team. And so like I got the experience of the college football program down there being the biggest thing there. And so you go super conference or you focus on only, you know, the best teams like a Champions League kind of thing. You're telling a team like pick a uh, Mississippi State, right? Saying like at the end of the day, you probably don't matter, right? In the bigger pick, scheme of things. I mean, but college football in Starkville and in Oxford and in that state is huge. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's the the same argument that the soccer teams had when like you know Liverpool and Manchester, you know whoever it was, we're talking about leaving for the you know the uh, super super league or whatever. Like, is Newcastle United going to win? the champions league no are they still massive in that city yes you know so how do you how do you make it so that you have the best teams playing against each other and you have like great television and great theater for college football fans but these like good second level third level sec and big 10 programs and pac-12 programs don't get left behind like you're gonna tell me that nobody like gives a shit about like uh I'll sit there and watch Oregon and Oregon State any day of the week, you know? So it's like, you don't want that to get lost in the shuffle, you know? I haven't really fleshed this out, but me, is it a, is it like an EPL kind of model where it's like EPL, then it's championship league, then it's this league, then it's league one, league two, national level. Like, is that that kind of thing where it's like, hey, there's these, these super coverages on top and then, you know, here's the whack, here's the big sky, here's, unfortunately, you know, it'd be more interesting, interesting if you did, if you did like relegation and promotion. Yeah. yeah like that'd be yeah. really cool. Yeah. The real pro model the actually programs, working in the but US? Like, the, the, the big programs would never go for it though. Right. Like, yeah. cause going, going back oh. to like, you know, if you don't want to pick Alabama, like I, I don't know guys, like I don't, I don't live and breathe college football. So like take Pitt, right. Pitt's 17 to start the season. Like why would Pitt decide that like they want to vote in favor of that? Right. Because it, for them, one or two big injuries could realistically put them in, you know, in a position where they would move down. And like, yeah. presumably that could affect them adversely in a few different ways, including like TV rights and, and any money that comes in. You'd also have to kind of contend with that. I don't know how you would justify giving the same financial compensation on TV packages to that top league versus That's, like yeah. the second or third division, you know, like that, that to me, you know, money driven, all that, like, unless it already exists like it does in soccer in Europe, I don't know how you could implement that in the U.S. It would be really cool. It'd be really interesting. It sure as hell would would make, like, you know, end-of-season games when a team is, you know, out of contention. It would make those a whole hell of a lot more important, but getting some of these programs who'd agree to it, I just don't see it. I, I don't know. I mean... I could kind of see it because, like, you got your Clemsons and you got your Oxford Mississippi's and you got your Jacksons. It's kind of looking like I was just started watching the Southampton doc on uh, on Netflix and I started watching the Wrexham doc and Wrexham like owns the team and they had to uh, have a uh, I think a seventy five percent threshold for uh, McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds to take over that team. So kind of like the fans own the team in a way. And there's a lot of these small areas sure. that are kind of like in London uh, where like a, a Leeds, a Leeds just got promoted. Like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I kind of could see the pro rel argument working because yes, you're going to get paid top dollar to go to the EPL 
But then again, I, and now I'm coming back to Earth, where it's like, well, great, how are you going to sell these? How are you going to sell these yeah, kids to come to college? There would be great parity in those leagues too, because I mean, like in a in a top division, you'd have Georgia playing Clemson, playing Southern Cal every week, and then in the second division, you know, you'd have like you know a Oregon, Utah Pitt, State, or Pitt, I don't know, Pitt playing a BYU, playing a yeah. Kentucky or something. I mean, like those aren't super sexy, but they're all competitive games. You know, I just I just think I go back to like. You look at just how ridiculous some of this is, too. It's not just like when the Big East dissolved. Okay, Pitt went to the ACC. That makes sense. Boston College to the ACC, whatever. Cincy, I think, went to like Conference USA. Louisville went to the ACC. Um, UCLA and USC having the same conference, being in the same conference as Rutgers and Maryland is fucking insane. You know, and 10 years ago, we had TCU going to the Big East before the Big East fell apart. Oklahoma is going to the SEC. Oklahoma is not a southeastern school. Right. It's smack dab in the middle of the country. So like you still got to make it make sense. You know, if we want to go, my dad and I started this thing a couple of years ago. Where we were going to try to go to all the big 12 road games because, you know, when are we ever going to be out there anyway? Right. But we have to get on a plane to go to every single one. You know, so it's got to count for something, man. I mean, like the, the, the thing that makes all this great is when you have local regional stuff, you know, that the, maybe some of the guys on the college teams played at, against each other in high school. Maybe they come from the same high school. The fans can drive to the games. You know, I'd be like on the. Uh, the turnpike you know at a rest stop or something i'd see a couple campers one guy's going to maryland one guy's going to Pitt, one guy's going to penn state it's like the whole people miss the whole pageantry of college football the hyper hyper local nature of it which is what makes it great that's why everybody's psyched when college game day comes to their town you know because it gets to these markets and it gets to these cities and it gets to these areas that where that's the biggest thing that there is you know, so it's just to me, you just water it down when you make it all about money because now you got Rutgers going out to Los Angeles and playing a conference game. That doesn't mean anything. But if Penn State goes to Rutgers or Rutgers goes to Temple or whatever, okay, there's a hyper regional thing there. I just think like the fans lose out when you do all this shit. You know, I mean, there's there's a ton of hype for the backyard brawl tonight. It should be that way every year. Like, why why shouldn't it be that way every year? You know, well, and the 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 ultimate equalizer. Here's the shameless plug: is that you know, sports betting as it continues to spread throughout the country is going to continue to probably drive up those numbers on streaming and on, you know, TV ratings just in general. And so like, if you go to crossingbroad.com, now you can see pretty much every one of the the major sports books has a special offer that they rolled out for college football. To put that in perspective, most of these sports books did not pay much mind at all to the Stanley Cup final. They didn't pay much mind to the NBA playoffs. They did not pay much mind at all to the start of the baseball season. But the sportsbooks didn't wait until week one of the NFL season. Like Barstool kept their $1,000 risk-free bet, but they've got a, a new thing that's going to be, we'll be putting a, stuff about it tomorrow. Uh, FanDuel rolled out a new offer, bet five, get 150. DraftKings did a bet five, get one, uh, get 200. Uh, like you put all those things into perspective and it's like they, they did this leading up to college football because so many people care. And the difference, obviously, between pro sports and college sports is if you went to that school or if you were raised as a fan of that college team, there's a part of you that's like part of the fabric of your being. You're going to be more tied to that team than you would any yeah. pro sports team. So it's going to be interesting to see. Go to crossingbroad.com. You know, can go read about that. Stuff. Can I make one final point? It's very well written. Yeah. Bring back this this uh, thing that Justin wrote here. He said NIL in theory is good for the players, but it'll ruin college football. They are slash will start just using it as a recruiting tool, which will ruin smaller programs. They're Tough already fun, baby. Tough fun. All, yeah, yeah. For for the for Temple, right? They're already doing this. I mean, so Pitt lost Kenny Pickett, right? And he's with the Steelers now. But they had the Belichickoff winner 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy named Jordan Addison who was playing at Pitt last year. And he just, when P- Kenny Pickett left, he, he just said, I'm fucking off the USC because they're going to pay me more. Mm-hmm. Str- straight up, you know? Yeah. So you don't even have to, I think I actually touched on this in an episode a couple weeks ago, but you don't even have to do a lot of recruiting now because if you're a big name school and your donors, your boosters, or you got the tough fund behind you or something like that, you can just pay these kids straight up. You can just go through the transfer portal and make that like your main avenue of of bringing players in instead of going the traditional way and scouting them and like sitting in their parents' living room and say, hey, we really love you to come play at Temple. It's like, no, nah, man, like uh, Michael Rubin or somebody will give you like, you know, f- all this money or free shit or whatever. So it's it's like, and they're not even making any bones about it too. It wasn't like Addison came out and said like, you know, thanks for the opportunity. I'm looking to challenge myself. Or he's like, no, it's like I get more money. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's it so, it actually kind of refreshing to hear. So, are you yeah. saying that we need to we need to put a salary cap on uh, on college football for uh, the amount of donations or the amount of uh, uh, money that a a player can make? <laughs> it's going to get out of it. It ha- it's one of those things where it. Well, has Bryce to Young be- made a million dollars last year as a as a sophomore yeah. at yeah. Alabama, which he deserves. Don't get me wrong. Johnny Manziel would have made five mil. Um, well, like them just, not they, making they imagine it, imagine it like on a spectrum, right? Them not making anything off of their work was ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Like that's on the far end of the one spectrum. Now, like it just being the wild west and people just paying players whatever the hell they want to pay them is like the wild west on the other side of the spectrum. So this, it's almost like they overcorrected by this, but they have they need a couple of years to see how it was going to be executed and how people were going to do it before they then know what parameters to install and how to pull it back. And make it reasonable, you know, because if Alabama is just like paying five star guys, like you got dudes leaving Pitt to go to USC just for more money, then like are these other programs just going to fall behind and be irrelevant, you know? So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not naive to think that there's never that there's going to be perfect parity in college football. It's never going to be that way ever. But um, with the NIL stuff, I mean, I think they they need to they needed to just you know take the top off and just see what happens. Open Pandora's box and see how people are going to use it before you come back True. around and say, okay, now we've got evidence for A, B, C, and D. Here's what we have to install to, to bring it back, bring it back down to like normalcy, you know? I'm interested to see who's going to take the first money from the oil sheiks. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> We're going to be live, live uh, NCAA. And I, and you know what? Yeah. Number one right uh, now is Miami. Number two yeah. is LSU for me. That's Miami's actually a really football. good story. Yeah, which college football program is most likely to take the Saudi Arabia money or the <laughs> Qatar money, right, and put Etihad, the Etihad patch on the uh, on the jersey or whatever, man. I don't doubt it, though. It's like, if it's not until, above that. Just wait until, wait until the Saudis create a university in the middle of Wyoming, <laughs> and they make, like, yeah. the most beautiful campus. Like, every dorm has its own, like, jacuzzi tub. Every building has its own private pool. You got rooftop bars. Like they build a town around it. They pretty much do what what Cutter did ahead of the uh, the World Cup. They just build like a, a an entire city yeah. around yeah. this campus in the mm-hmm. middle of absolutely nowhere. No offense to Wyoming, sure Maybe it's a Temple. great state. Maybe Temple Pagan. Would you would you be cool if Temple? <laughs> I would take, and I know the Tough Fund would take. All of the Saudi money that they could, but we would launder it through other things, maybe like yeah. 97.5 The Fanatic yeah. or uh, yeah. the, the the law school. Uh, we'll just launder it through like different yeah. operations. Yeah, Zuma, Zuma's play-by-play class yes. is just the front for laundering the uh, yes. Saudi oil money into the temple. <laughs> and when I mentioned 97.5 The Fanatic, I meant John Kincaid. John Kincaid right. will... John Kincaid would launder yeah. money for Temple for Temple to be come back to. Well, I would to, hope so. Uh, any good, any good alumnus, you know, oh. what it'll be too. The Temple players will be at the uh, the Live Golf event. And that's where they'll they'll introduce the partnership over there. We'd like to announce our new investment in Temple University. You know, to all the guys standing there and they're like, uh, 
Warm the up. Jamal Khashoggi Memorial Fund. There's <laughs> two Temple University for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know Temple would take would take Oil Sheik money in in one second. You Here's would go, yeah, Red Bull, question. Red Bull A and M, Red Bull A and the Aramco A and M, Aramco State out yeah. there in in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, um, but for real, man, what what? Let me ask you a serious mm-hmm. question, right? What what is Temple's football future right now? Like uh, the, the in the on campus stadium is like dead. Yes, it's dead. Yeah, okay. um, it's it's wild because football gets paid seven and a half million just to put the ball down and play. Yeah, um, they 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 get paid seven and a half million from their AAC deal, which is wild. But I know a lot of students, a lot of recruits, a lot of don't want to play on ESPN Plus every weekend. Yeah. Um, they want to play on the Fox Sports. They want to play on the ABCs. They want to play on the NBCs, the ESPNs. Yeah. Uh, the football team, it'll be interesting. Um, we are picked to finish last in the AAC, so right now things don't look great. Um, that Temple Tough Fund is actually interesting because they're going to put a significant um, investment into basketball. So we'll see how that affects the uh, the football team. Well, you've always that. said the Temple is a basketball school. Temple so. is a basketball school. We just got to find a way to get out of the AAC. You got to find a way to put a couple seasons together to be good. And you got to find a way to get out of the AAC and be like, hey, listen, we have this top five media market. Everybody in sports media in Philadelphia went to Temple or has some kind of connection to Temple. Mm-hmm. The city will get behind Temple. Just have to string a couple uh, seasons together. AAC, we need to get out of there somehow. Maybe the I ACC wanted to will see it worse. I wanted to see it more than anybody, you know? Yeah. Somehow I ended up writing for a Philly sports site, but my top three sports are soccer and college football and MMA, which is <laughs> yeah. which Philly doesn't give a shit about any of those. But, no. you know, it is what it is. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, actually, I want to ask you before you before you get off this. I don't know if you're moving on. Um, how are we feeling about the backyard brawl? I mean, a lot of shit talking from Kedon Kedon Slovis saying yeah. fuck West Virginia, yeah, and then yeah, West Virginia yeah. is playing that on a loop in the uh, in the locker room right now. Seventy five percent is it Keaton? Yeah, Keaton Slovis. Seventy five percent of the fans <laughs> today will be West Virginia fans in Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are we feel about the backyard brawl? Do they cover is really what I want to know. I got the under. No, not good. Not feeling good at all about it. I've gone on the record this week multiple times saying that I think Pitt wins. Uh, I think it's going to be probably a high-scoring game. I like dude, college football is so hard to predict anyway because there's no preseason games, right? And like all these guys come in with like new, brand new, whatever. Kenny Pickett's not there for them. They the lost transfer, their quarter. Man, the transfers are insane. I know they I lost. Their... JT Daniels is on is West Virginia's starting quarterback. Yeah, the guy who was USC. Georgia. Well, he was in Georgia via USC, right? That's he actually beat out. He beat out Keaton Slovis. Yeah, so there's a USC. Well, there uh, and Graham Harrell, who was the Texas Tech uh, quarterback back in the day, who threw for like a million yards. I mean, all the Texas Tech quarterbacks threw for a million yards. Let's be honest, but you know, he was at. Southern Cal is an offensive coordinator. He came to West Virginia to be the offensive coordinator. JT Daniels played at USC. Keaton Slovis played at USC. Kenny Pickett's gone. Jordan Addison's gone. Our stinky quarterback is gone. But I just Pitt, Pitt had a pretty good defense last year mm-hmm. too, and they just have more like starters returning on both sides of the ball. And we've been mediocre as shit for the last couple of years. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I think the line is still seven and a half now. I like Pitt to win. I don't know about seven and a half though in a rivalry game week one. Seems weird, but. uh yeah, I don't know. They're 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 honestly not bad. I just I think like I don't I don't know why, man. They just can't like fill up that stadium. People people there. I mean, it's a Pittsburgh it's Steelers. It's a Steelers and a Penguins and a 
somewhat pirates town i guess but pirates when the pirates were had like there's a couple good seasons i mean they were into it but pittsburgh just doesn't really care about college sports too much you know but you know west virginia like i said it's the biggest thing you know so all the fans come up from morgantown and they fill up heinz field or uh or uh, acrisure or whatever it's called now but no i would not as i would not put any money on west virginia tonight isn't it amazing how like for as big of, of cities and sports towns as philly and pittsburgh are there really is no prominent program I mean, like Pitt, Pitt sort of is, but like nobody, can, I mean, there's no, no college football program in the entire city of Philadelphia, right? No. Like, no. I think there, there's probably an argument to be made that like people would probably kill for having one that's even, you know, not a, a, a city school like Villanova on the main line. If you yeah. had an equivalent of that, at least it'd be something to rally behind. It is kind of strange that like over all this time and despite there being so much passion for the sport of football in Philadelphia yeah. that yeah. none of these programs have ever really been able to set themselves apart and to establish themselves. It's kind of here's, weird. Here's a hypothetical going along with that because like I agree with you. I mean, football is so big here. It's like, you know, you know, why didn't, you know, why doesn't these other, don't these other programs latch on? I guess Temple had that little bit of a run with game day, but like what if they brought a second NFL team to Philadelphia, like They're, like the Giants and Jets, like surely that second team, you know, would people support that, or would it just be like, oh, we're Eagles fans or whatever? Like, I think a second NFL team in Philadelphia, honest to God, would do amazing here. Wow, that's that's bold. That'd be like Civil I, War shit, like brother fighting brother, but not I an anti Eagles like, thing. But not like no, but we would turn it into an anti Eagles thing. What I'm saying yeah, is I, that I, I feel think like there's it, a, I, it, I, I think there's enough uh, bandwidth. In, of football fandom in Philadelphia that people would absorb a second team. Well, you think about with the Phillies and athletics, the athletics used to be the big team. And then they went through a whole dry spell of, of, of sucking. Um, and then the Phillies became the team. And when the athletics wanted to move, they're like, yeah, just take the athletics. You're good. Yeah. This is actually a good question here. What city with an NFL team has a huge college hey, sh- football? I just want to shout out Rich. Rich, thanks for adding to the program today, yeah. buddy. Yeah. I'm Rich glad that Rich wasn't host. so bored before that he fell asleep. He's yeah. out there asking questions. Good on you, Rich. No, it's we actually send him a, a T-shirt. Question. Send him a T-shirt. Let's get Dave. Dave, send him a T-shirt. I don't know what T-shirts there are. Right, Dave, send him your T-shirt. The obvious Shirt off answers. your back, Dave. Wash it and send it to him. <laughs> the obvious answers are Houston, Dallas. Miami. Uh, yeah. The Hurricanes. Uh, the Hurricanes were selling out more than Nash, the Dolphins at one point. N- Nashville, like not – You think Vandy? Not Vandy, but like no. the other Tennessee teams. You know, like Knoxville's not – Knoxville. I don't know if that's what he meant specifically with the question, but like – Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just like – I love college football. I'm glad it's back. Um, I just, I wish the scene was a little bit different up here. And I don't, I, I just like, I, it just like, like breaks my brain to think that, you know, Rutgers and Maryland pl- are going to be playing like ne- Nebraska and, you know, UCLA in the in-conference games. And it just doesn't, you know, I know that you got to be competitive in the, even if you don't like the whole money thing, like these commissioners got to be competitive and they got to stay ahead of the curve and, you know, be cutthroat about it. But it doesn't, doesn't, it's, it's not, does it help the players now? Does it help the? Is it good for the fans now? You know, it's like I don't, I don't know who it benefits other than the people who are receiving the money. So. I know exactly what we can do, guys. All right, we reinstate a former NFL team that would do really well in the state of Pennsylvania. Of course, the 1925 NFL champion Pottsville Maroons. Bring it back. Get all the Schuylkill County. Get the whole coal region. I Is guarantee the coal money you that still place good would, up there. That place would sell out. Every weekend, you could make that a hundred thousand seat stadium, and it would Fuck. sell out every week. They were they good be because they had the coal dog- money backing them. You better and they you had better these, watch these guys. You watch yourself. With- Don't you dare! 
with what's don't the lung dare. called? The popcorn lung or whatever black, the hell? Black lung. Black lung. They had black guys lung. with black lung. Don't speak going student body on the plight right. of my people in the coal region. No, unless these guys you were tough as shit. On it. They were that's tough right. as shit, and that's why they won because that's they had right. the black lung, and they knew this was probably the last season they were ever going to play football before they were on the uh, the iron lung. Which they is also are, why uh, the Cardinals have never won the Super Bowl. That that curse is real. That's one of the best curses. ESPN did a thing on it two months ago. Yeah, I'm sure the Cardinals. I'm sure Steve Kimes really worried about Pottsville. Yeah, the well, biggest they, they they took the title. Hey, so. Kyler, did you know why you're not going to win the Super Bowl this year? It's because they took the Pottsville Maroons back in the 1920s. Go ahead, Kev. He doesn't care. He's no, I'm just going to say Justin in the chat said that Atlanta is the biggest uh, college football town of. Uh, mm, that's where the Hall of Fame is. Yeah. yeah, no, and they care more, but it's like a melting pot. Right? It's like SEC fans and people from like all over the country. They don't give a shit about Georgia, Georgia Tech. But there's probably probably I would I would venture to say that more people in Atlanta care about UGA and LSU and Alabama like collectively than they do the the Falcons for sure or or the Hawks or any of their pro teams. So. Yeah. Any more on college football? We got about ten minutes left. I had one more thing I wanted to get to. No man, I just think you know like Penn State's the biggest one here. I don't see them ever like really going over the hump with James Franklin there. You know, and when they signed him to the big extension, like did you have you guys ever? Here's a question for you. Have you ever met a Penn State fan who was like, yeah, James Franklin? No. No. Maybe it's because yeah. Sean Clifford's been I there have. for for eight of the or six of the eight years that uh yeah, Sean Clifford's the new Kenny Kenny Pickett, you know. <laughs> the only reason that the people that I know who like Franklin like him is because he's done such a good job of recruiting. Mm-hmm. And then my counter yeah. is always it doesn't matter if you can shop for the best groceries. If you can't make the dish, none of it matters. Yeah. And that's like, that's their ultimate problem, I think. Yeah, they, they don't, they, I always look at their schedule and I'm like, man, you know, the, the potential is there. And then it's like, you know, you're like a, like a nine win team or maybe, maybe you get to 10. I, I, like, I don't put them on the same, you know, they're just, they're not Ohio State. You know, they always, you know, find a way to underwhelm in a game that they probably should win and like try to make yeah. it more difficult on themselves. And I feel like they've had enough talent, you know, over the last couple of years under him to do more than they've than they've done. So. It is nuts though, because he does have three eleven win seasons in the last six years. He went eleven and three, two thousand sixteen, eleven and two, yeah. nine and four, eleven and two. Then he went four and five during the COVID year. Yeah. Now he went seven and six. I mean I think they're kind of in this like so it, when you look at that record, it's it's kind of like okay 10-year deal actually, I guess, makes sense. You could blame one on COVID, and you could blame last yeah. year on coming out of COVID if you, if you really want to. Yeah. Um, I do but think there should be – The question is, like, yeah. are those expectations for Penn State realistic? I mean, they're a huge big – should be. With the history, they should be. Yeah. They come so to they, Philadelphia, they recruit well. They go down yeah. to Florida, they recruit yeah. well. I mean, they have tentacles everywhere. New York – if, if, like, if you say that Penn State – Oh, that's what Penn State is, 10 wins, 11 wins or whatever, like, they they – we should be – Talking Penn State twelve wins. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ten you know, twelve wins every year should be Penn State. Yeah. Isn't yeah. part of the problem though that like th- so many of the Penn State fans are kind of hearkening back to a day when the program was legitimate and like was in theory like a a, a year in and year out contender and they're not now. I don't want to compare them to the yeah. Flyers, but it, it really does feel like a team that like every year they the fans sell themselves on the idea of like this could be the year. And, like, yes, Penn State probably has a better chance this year of doing something maybe than, like, the Flyers would. But, like, we're talking about decades ago, right? Like, even even in, like, their best season in the last 20 years, they – Here you go, Russ. They came in, up they In came the up 2000s, short. in the 2000s, before 2016, Joe Paterno had two 11-win seasons, 11-1 in 2005 and 11-2 in 2008. Before that, 10-3 yep. in 1999. 
Well, you're asking yourself really in a roundabout way, is Penn State like in that like Nebraska mold where it's like you remember them as being like this this power powerhouse like but like were they off. I feel like there was always linebacker you I feel like it was always was led with the defense it was like but was it like really smash mouth football I feel like they were always missing a quarterback I don't know man I mean they had that 12 and 0 season they had another 12 and 0 season I, I don't know maybe it just maybe the 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 urban legend kind of just got out of control but like I you know when Frank they never really developed that- their guys well either like Hackenberg was getting developed, Bill O'Brien leaves, and he turns into a shell of his former self. I don't know, man. I just I always look at that conference and I'm like, you know, Ohio State is on tier one, you know. And mm-hmm. then if you want to, if you want to, you know, Michigan and Penn State, you know, is is one A or, or or tier two, you know. And so it's just as long as that's the case in that conference, it's always going to be a a thing. And then you're going to have like Wisconsin step up and and be competitive. And I just I don't know. I don't know. That's actually a good like question to ask like throw into the ether like what are what are accurate levels of expectations for oh, i think it's 11 it, 10 11 wins every yeah. year I, you, I, guys, I yeah. you guys are more into this than i am the college football thing are you surprised that the big 10 is one of the conferences that that stayed like that there that that conference is one that gets to carry the mantle as being one of the two super conferences because like from my vantage point as the outside college football viewer i go all right, Ohio State's a legit program. And outside of that, it's a bunch of like second tier teams, Michigan, Michigan State, right? Maybe Penn State, they're tier two or tier three. But like, why is it the Big Ten that gets to say, I know there's history, but like, why, why is that? Why does the pack go away? Or why does the Big 12 go away? But like the Big Ten stays. Can somebody explain it? I, I think explain it, it is. to me like I'm five. Yeah, I think it is history because it's, it's very boring brand of football. Other than Ohio State, sometimes Michigan, Michigan State, sometimes up there, but it's a very boring brand of football. I mean, there's always those. Uh, there's always a. I feel like a picture that goes viral every year of just ten possessions of punting, and it's usually an Iowa game or North. There's always game. a Penn State Iowa that's going to be like. Fucking there was nine overtimes last year: Illinois versus Penn State. And yeah, the, and the final yeah. was twenty to eighteen. I think yeah. it's. I think it's a little bit to do with commissioners. Uh, it's a little bit to do with they are making the most TV money, other than the SEC. Um, now you could argue that the big 12 is a, is a very, is a way better brand of football, uh, mm-hmm. not much defense, a ton of offense. Those games are awesome when they get into the seventies. Yeah. Um, but I would say that it's definitely the history of it. I just feel like you have your Oklahoma's and your Texas's, but then you also have your Iowa States and your, uh, Kansas's. Well, the big uh, 12 had, yeah, and had some instability early too. I think the big the big 10 was good about their approach when all the conferences were kind of realigning, you know, I mean, when the, when the big 12 lost Colorado and Nebraska and like an underrated departure actually, and all this was Texas A&M too, you know, um, you know, it's just kind of those, those conferences were never the same, you know, at the same time, like it was the sec just, just got so much better across the board. Yeah. You know, Georgia, Bama, Auburn, LSU, like multiple powerhouses. It's not to say that like, like your Wisconsin's, and Michigan states aren't good because they've all hovered in the top 10 or last couple of years. But like, yeah, I think it's, I think it's less about all these other conferences lagging behind just all the other, every, like the sec just being head and shoulders above. And then like, if you look at Clemson, like Clemson was the outlier because they weren't mm-hmm. nobody else in the ACC was any good for those years. Florida state was down like the North Carolina teams aren't really much of anything, you know, um, my Miami taking a step yeah. back for sure. You know, just the sec just consistently like, state at the top across the board but i mean and then you go out west to the pac 12 i mean other than oregon and like that run that they had that southern cal had back in the day they don't have a powerhouse team either so 
This is a good point by EGM. EJM. Uh, they were just aggressive about expansion before everyone else. I think, yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the company that adapts before everybody else, <laughs> kind of like yeah. a, an Apple. Um, Three so yards yeah. in a cloud of dust uh, from Coach Gary. Yeah, yeah, That'll he's a, he's a big ben, Big Ten guy. Yeah. He's he remembers the the fond days of uh, yeah. Nebraska football and yeah. Tommy Osborne. Um, I have one more thing before we go. Philadelphia named the rudest city in America by Philadelphia residents. Uh, what do we think? I think you were right about the thing about people talking on their speakerphone. Yes. So here's the full list. This is from Preply, (laughs) which is a language app. There's the full list of the most common rude behaviors in the U.S. and the city most likely to exhibit them. Everyone take a look at number seven, talking on speaker in public, Philadelphia PA, hang the banner. It's true. It's true. And you could add FaceTime to this one. I mean, people talk on the SEPTA, people talk in the grocery store, people talk uh, wherever they want to talk on FaceTime and on speaker. I've done it before, but I always go down to the lowest setting and I shove it into my ear like it's a Q-tip. I try yeah. to be respectful of people uh, just because my my, my uh, one headset, I feel like, is just broken in a way. But, but yeah, we've got to stop this. What's the reason that people do it in the first? Do they not want to keep the phone up on their ear? Do yeah. They, like just ease it. Okay. And so they like then you hear their whole conversation. You're like, yeah, like what the, what the hell is... Yeah. I do notice that so much more, yeah, in this area than in other areas. But do you get it in Lansdale? Do you get it in the suburbs? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Um, the only people I see up here anyway is just people picking up their kids and going through the <laughs> the Wendy's drive through. Anyway, it's not like there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, you know what people I'm do. I don't think people do it on the train or what. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. We see we see this in Philly a lot. People who have their speaker phones in their cars all the way up and you can hear it while their windows are up. That is, I I heard this, I heard this yesterday. Uh, Some lady was just screaming at her boyfriend or her husband. I don't know who it was, but I could hear their conversation through the windows. That's a wild one to me. Like you're in, you're in a, uh, you're, you're, you're in a car. How about this? You know what? You know how they had the Obama phone back in the day? What if we do the Biden buds? Everybody gets an earbud. You get an earbud at your local community center. You go yeah. to City Hall, you get a bud, yeah. you get you get these earbuds. Now yeah. they're called Biden buds, and yeah. they're all free. And now you don't ever have to use your speakerphone ever again. Just put in your free Biden buds and talk through your earbuds. <laughs> they're gonna program you. Believe me, it's very sad. Kevin can't have a conversation. Very, very sad. My Biden buds, they don't work. We're gonna make buds great again, and it's gonna be so fantastic, Kyle. Yeah, so great. So fantastic, believe me. And we're not going to make them in China. No, no. We're going to make them in Delco. And they're going to work. And we're going to have charging portals everywhere, believe me. Fantastic. Great, great buds. Not the Biden buds. I didn't vote for them. I didn't vote for these buds. Sorry. Uh, that's was right that was a very impressive was Trump. A, the great thing will be, like, if they don't work, it's like, it's like, why are they called Biden buds? Well, you can't really understand what they're saying anyway. I could just see it. That's going to be on like Truth Social or whatever. They're going to start yeah. posting about that. Jack Posobiec anyway. will be tweeting about it later. <laughs> yeah. what's, the craziest, what's the craziest thing? The fact that that was a good impression or the fact that I could actually hear that in a debate in about a year and a half? The Biden buds. Mm-mm, not for me. <laughs> I don't know. It's just giving me like a... <sighs> Gives me, give me PTSD. Gives me PTSD just thinking yeah. about it. it that is PTSD not a political comment. Scrolling, but. no, just scrolling Twitter. That just gave you PTSD of scrolling Twitter. My favorite thing is like sometimes I do these, you. you know, I do these posts. I write at the very top. This is not a political post. There's nothing. There's no opinion. There's not even a single opinion in the story. And then I go to Facebook, and the first five comments are like, 
you guys are fucking soy boy liberals. <laughs> you know what my favorite thing is? Is like being on Twitter and it's like back to back. You can you can tweet something and it's like you're a pathetic uh, millennial liberal. And then the next one is like, go to your clan meeting and get off Twitter, you racist. And it's like, yeah, I need people to get in their way in here. Yeah. Holy yeah. smokes. It's just yeah. like, it's, it's, you know how crossing it's broad, is crossing broad the proud boys and do we like, <laughs> or, or are we like the, the oat milk drinkers? Like you got to pick one and stay yeah. with it, you know, cause it can't be both of those at the same be time. Be consistent in your criticism of the site. Yeah. You know how Amazon is prime day. We should have alt right day just to really like, just get, <laughs> just to, just to literally level out everything. We'll just yeah. we'll just get all the uh, for all of those of you who said we're too liberal. Yeah. We're bringing on Richard Spencer. Well, yeah. oh my God. Let's right. get Milo. See what he's doing. Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just take all the articles from Steve yeah, da- Steve Bannon's site and just yeah. and just put them on bright Breitbart Day Breitbart, on Crossing yeah. Broad. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like oh man, and like the comments like oh man these these Crossing Broad guys turned over a new leaf. Yeah, um, fair and balanced. You put one question before, like, Russ, you never lived in Philadelphia, correct? No. But you venture out here enough. Kev, you've yeah. lived in Fishtown. <laughs> we're going to have two day. Yeah, we're going to have two day. I'll dress like a reptile. <laughs> Kevin blogging from his from his upstairs guest bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joining the program now on Crossing Broadcast, we're very happy to have Alex Jones with us. Alex, how are you? <laughs> oh my God. Lock her up. Lock her up. <laughs> So what do you um, think of uh, Benghazi? <laughs> oh my God, stop. Uh, so I think we've said about 17 different things that YouTube, if they actually gave a shit about the show, the algorithm would definitely just shut this program. You know down. what, guys? They're trying to censor a lot of people. That's what I've seen. I've seen it on Twitter. Some people thinking that there's a lot of censorship out there. Yeah. Zuckerberg is going to throttle throttle us. Nobody's yeah. going to see this episode. Does it, uh, hey, really quick. Does it count? Yeah. If like... If you're Your on social media, so fucked up. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, you sound like a squirrel uh, right now. Yeah. Is it bad? Is it yeah, still bad? Yeah. yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Nah, all right. Well, well, hey, I think all the forces in the universe are telling us to wrap this up right yeah. now. Because, yeah. Yeah. If they if they could shut down uh, Rush Joy, they can shut down anybody. Benghazi yeah. um, <laughs> new bullpen arm for Bumpy yeah. Jones. Thank you, Bumpy Jones, for coming. Yeah, in. the Phillies, right. by the way, signed a reliever who's very Italian, and people weren't happy with me because they didn't <laughs> like my Italian jokes on the website. But I'm part, I'm part Italian, so I think I can make. Isn't the rule that I can do Italian jokes because I'm part Italian? I don't know. Is that the rule? We'll ask around. Yeah, I'm 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 part Jewish. Should I start throwing out Jew jokes? Probably not. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that's Crossing Broadcast. Right. We will talk to you Good next job, everybody. Tuesday. We actually have not spun the wheel uh, for two Thursday shows in a row, so we'll probably do that on Tuesday. If anyone's listening, looking for that, we'll pick like six winners. Um, that's the show. Rate, review, subscribe on the podcast. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Throw us a little subscribe. Check out the uh, Dinner and Blanc video I just did as well, and check out CrossingBroad.com. We will talk to you. Have a good rest of the day. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the holiday. (laughs) 